This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. A mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusader for law. Hey everybody, I'm Tiffany from Comic Pop, and I'm in the Valiant offices right now. I have the opportunity to talk with Mags Visaggio, writer of Dr. Mirage. How you doing, Mags? I'm doing okay. Awesome. It's a nice, lovely day outside. I know. <laughs> also, we've already nailed the first question. You're doing well, so this is this is a good start <laughs> to an interview. I'm and I got this wonderful piece of art sitting through me. I love that. I love that. We'll, we'll cut in a, a thing to, to show that. It's it's uncanny the resemblance, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I am familiar with, with Shan. I am familiar with the two volumes that came before it. We haven't seen her for a while in her own story, but here she is. Why Dr. Mirage for you? Oh, I'm a really morbid person and I'm kind of obsessed with death. Okay. <clears throat> and um, I've been talking with Valiant a little bit. I knew that Valiant was, was interested in working with me. And uh, <clears throat> at C2E2 last year, I guess it must have been, mm -hmm. I just kind of went hard for it. I just went up to uh, to uh, Robert Myers, just like really want to write a Dr. Mirage book because uh -huh. it just seemed really exciting. <clears throat> she has such a an interesting and weird relationship with death, and I've done a yeah. few books that deal with our relationship with death, but uh -huh. hers is like so different because it's not final for her. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. What's interesting mm. about that <clears throat> and that concept of having that passion, I feel like that makes the best stories. Like, you came to them because you were ready to tell a story, as opposed to like someone being like, we need a Dr. Mirage story right now, just come up with anything. Well, it's less than I, I didn't come to them with like a, with a story in okay. mind. I just was interested in the character. Right, Like, right. I wasn't all caught up in the character. I read Jen's first volume, but I hadn't read the second. I yeah. wasn't really sure what her status quo was. But it was just a playground that I was interested yeah. in, in playing with. You know, she gets to do, the magic stuff, she gets to do the death stuff, mm -hmm. and I've been I've been kind of really looking for more opportunities to delve into that uh, part of my brain. Right, right. No, absolutely. And honestly, like I like for me, the magic stuff. I'm just so all about that. Um, and honestly, in this first issue that I had a chance to peek through, I kind of love that she is. There it is. Um, I love that she is trying to delve into like Quen's realm a little more so than we've really seen her. Well, before. she has to because he's not around anymore. Exactly. <clears throat> She's always had Quen on some level to protect her. Yeah. And that's no longer an option. Right. Which is like, I kind of love that that's like, the last time we saw them, it was like, eh, and uh, okay, so we can't like touch one another and it's totally fine. And now it's like, what's going on in the general status for Dr. Mirage? Because like, You've not only taken away Huen in a sense, but like she's completely isolated. Yeah, taken away all the dead. Uh huh. <clears throat> she can't see dead people. Yeah, and that's like such a phenomenal like concept because it's like that's every day for us. Hopefully, all of us. Um, we, we don't we don't have that interaction with people. You have that ability to go away and have an al like alone moment constantly been surrounded by individuals. Like, it's almost like when you go to a con. It's like, yeah. that's her experience all the time. I mean, she can turn that off, but that's something she had control over, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, but now she, like, there's, now she's completely isolated with her thoughts, constantly. There's no distraction of like, I have to go deal with a ghost. And more than that, at the start, she's still mourning the loss of Huen. Mm -hmm. And she's not just alone from the ghost, she's 
cut off herself from the world. Yeah. She's like shrouded her house under all these like in, under all these uh, uh, magics to make it not invisible, but just no one will yeah. find it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I really do love that because it just it, it's an interesting delving into like those levels of grief, but like in a way with a person who's like, I also have magic on top of it. So not only am I gonna go through my stages of grief, but I can also like do it in a bigger way than like anyone could possibly conceive of. Because anyone who's experienced loss, like that's kind of what you want sometimes. You just yeah. want to go away. And typically we can't do that. She found a way and then that's kind of taken away from her too, in a sense, like that necessity for isolation. Yeah, because Grace just shows up at her front door despite uh, every obstacle in her way, yeah. there she is, and she's a really aggressively present person. Mm -hmm. Like Shan's, it's at least in here, she's she's pretty quiet. She's not exactly, she's not exactly you know like withdrawn in terms of uh, uh, how she's relating to Grace, but she's just she's her personality is is not like turned up to eleven. And, and Grace is a very brash, loud person. Yeah. Absolutely. And like sometimes on like that's what someone needs in order to yeah. get out of it. And so like I'm honestly really interested to see where their relationship is going to go. Like how much she Grace ends up having an impact on Shan and possibly the other way around. You know what I mean? Like that kind of that symbiotic relationship. Um well, first they have to climb out of hell. Yeah. You know, little little, you know, baby steps here, I guess. Baby steps. Um, I mean, can you imagine you just lost everyone and then this weird kid shows up on your front door and says, actually, you're the one who's dead. Yeah. And we've got to climb out of hell together. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was... And like, you have to take all these drugs in order to do it. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. No, I was so, like, I was, I was enjoying the book. That happened, I was like, I'm in. I'm so in. I was in before. I was even more in with that, like, script flip there, where it's just like, she has gone to the dead side. She's gone over there because she wanted to, not yep. because she was forced into it. Yep. I love that you've completely taken her out of her comfort zone in a way, which is like such a bizarre thing to say about well, a person. Well, she really needed a reset. Yes. You know, like, so when Valiant first approached me about it, the first thing he said was, Hwen's not gonna be in the book. Right. Because <clears throat> at the time, they'd had plans that Hwen was going to be, like Hwen's ghost was going to be destroyed during incursion, which ended up not happening. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really know everything behind that. Um, but that was like a really fascinating thing. It was like, oh, so this is like a hard reboot, yeah. almost. Like that, Hwen's presence is like a fundamental part of the 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 idea of Doctor Mirage going all the way back to Bob Layton's original. Right. <clears throat> There's always been the ghost. Yes. So no ghost means this is going to be a very ha has to be a very very different kind of book. Mm -hmm. So for me, it became a matter of well, I need to do something that's very much very unlike mm -hmm. what the first two volumes had been. So. I guess, you know, really, then that, that just seemed like a, sorry, I'm losing my train of That's thought. That's okay. It's just, and it was just an opportunity to, to get her into a brand new status quo. Yeah. <clears throat> but that meant we had to rip her life apart first. Right, right. And I, and I love that because like, it, while you're saying that it is like these are kind of reboot <clears throat> vibes, it's still like keeping in with, if you've already been following Dr. Mirage in her last two adventures, you, you can grab this and it makes it all the more like tantalizing to pick up because it's like, what happened? Yeah. What happened between these two books that maybe we'll find out, maybe we won't. I, Again, I love a mystery <laughs> and you threw magic and death in there. I'm like, yeah, this is- If it had been up to me, I never would have said what had happened. Oh. I wanted to draw that. I wanted to draw that out for an extended period of time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
Not quite. I have to know. Sometimes I'm like, it's better not to know. I'm excited to see what we are going to find out and, and, and what you are going to, to give us and show us the adventures of not only Dr. Barrage dealing with a real feeling that we can all relate to in some way, shape or form in terms of loss and grief, but also the fact that she's literally in hell. But there's also like elements there, <clears throat> how real is what's happening to her. Right. Um, and that's underlined right at the beginning. This isn't a big spoiler. Shan uh, basically has Grace's own hallucinogenic experience extended to her. Mm-hmm. Shan, <clears throat> pardon, Grace, not Shan, because uh, uh, of her some of her own mental health problems, is on a um, uh, sort of an antipsychotic uh-huh. called anabasis, <clears throat> which is uh, has a side effect of causing intense hallucinations. Right. So, right off the bat. Shan is being told, I'm going to show you how the world really is, but it's still a, a something that's drug-induced. Right. So she's going to be sort of trying to parse out what's really going on the whole time. Okay, okay. Which is like right in my wheelhouse. Um, there's a, there's a <clears throat> video game series I'm a big fan of called Silent Hill, where it's always the like... My girlfriend's a huge fan. There you go. We talk about it all the time. Yes, like literally, like what you're saying, I was like, I love the, is this really happening to this character? Is this not really happening to this character? Yeah, me too. Like... Um, so, so actually speaking of Silent Hill mm-hmm. a little bit, so like that's, that's heavily based on David Lynch yes. and my girlfriend got me into David Lynch mm-hmm. very recently mm-hmm. after reading Eternity Girl because it's got a lot of the same kind of what's really happening. Right. <clears throat> I'm really fascinated by that. One of the things that um, me, and, me and my girlfriend talk about like when we're watching TV um, is, have you ever seen Mulholland Drive? Yes. So you know the, the, the Noai Banda scene? Yes. Like, that's David Lynch pointing out, none of this is real. Uh-huh. You're just, this is just an image. This is just image, it's, it's all artifice. Uh-huh. And more and more, that's an element that I'm really interested in bringing to the fore. Like, when me and my girlfriend watch TV, we'll see a character looking off screen, and someone will just be like, she's looking at nothing, because there's nothing past the edge of the screen. Yeah, there yeah. There just isn't. It's, it's, we're not even talking about an image of someone on a set. We're talking about the character in this sequence only exists in this one box. Right, <clears throat> right. And so that irreality mm-hmm. is uh, something I'm, I'm just thrilled to be bringing up more and more and more in my writing. That, that uh, the reality of the form of the medium and mm-hmm. not just the content of the medium. Uh, narrative versus diegesis. Okay, <clears throat> all right. What I love about that too is that like, it, there's something about experiencing that like is it real is it not real in the world of a video game in, 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 a, in a film where it's like there's something realistic about that in the video game you have some control as to what you can see in a comic form you guys are showing us what you want us to see and I kind of love that like the idea of like a character looking off panel like there's literally a, a dividing line there between the panel the end of the page the panel the it's, next it's panel. not a window it's an image exactly exactly so it's, I love that I love that like you know, examination of this book, and I'm gonna have to go back and look again at that, and like see where I might be able to find like hints at. There's there's less of it in Doctor okay. Mirage because it's 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 less of an overtly experimental work. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about working with Sonny Lou on Eternator Girl was his mastery of the comic page right. and his ability to uh, compose the page in such a way to draw attention to the limitations of the medium and use them in creative ways. We're not <clears throat> doing anything that sort of overtly kind of like in your face, you know, no why orchestra. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but uh, there's just definitely, 
a lot of that what's what's reliable what's what's real i like dealing with people who are in altered states of perception mm-hmm. um and i just always want people to not really be sure right right oh, absolutely now in terms of working with another creative you're working with uh, nick <clears throat> robles i hope i'm saying that robles. robles i made the same mistake for so long see i'm just everybody anybody who's on this channel knows i am the worst yeah. at pronouncing names go for mine robles. Visaggio? Visaggio, very Visaggio. close. Ah. <laughs> very close, it's like DiMaggio. Okay, all right, there you go. So Nick Robles, what's it like, what's the working relationship like? Um, we don't talk a ton. Okay. Um, but Nick is brilliant. Okay. Like, the, when, when we first started working together, I communicated to him that I'm like, all right, my jumping off point for the the weird sca- like landscapes that I want to be featuring um, is Steve Ditko, Dr. Strange. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, don't recreate Steve Ditko, Dr. Strange. Yeah. That's where, what I'm imagining so that I get in the mindset to write what this needs to be. But I want you to find your own well of weirdness. Yes. <clears throat> and he really delivered. The book features some incomprehensible mm-hmm. spaces. Like, they're, I'd say they're, you know, like, like Escher spaces, but Escher follows rules, mm-hmm. and Nick isn't. Right. He has angles jutting off in impossible ways. He's breaking horizon lines mm-hmm. with things that should be behind horizon lines. Right. It's it's, uh, it's challenging and chaotic, and demands attention and time. It's like he draws the kind of landscapes in these books where you can't flip through the book quickly mm-hmm. because you're going to be constantly faced by these impossible things that you need to to digest. Right. Um, I'm always a really big believer in letting uh, my artistic collaborators have as much free reign as they need mm-hmm. to deliver the book. So, like, I'm a very Spartan scripter. Okay. So, in this, I would always just say things like, like, unsettling landscapes. Uh, like, there'd be some some kind of impossible uh, room, that kind of thing. Okay. And he would take my vague idea mm-hmm. of something that if I was like writing a prose novel, I would be describing it in terms of mood and tone instead of descriptively. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I was really like, uh, one of my favorite writers is Stephen King, okay. is <laughs> how much he steps away from just describing like the, the appearance of something to just kind of go into the emotional experience of perceiving a place. Mm-hmm. And so I would give a lot of that information to Nick. And then Nick delivered something that was exactly that. That's incredible. <clears throat> then you add Jordy's colors to it, and the whole thing comes alive. This book's gonna not look like anything on the shelves. I'm so looking forward to that. I love that trust that you guys have in that relationship because it's like, it's very freeing, I think, to some creatives, some, to have that sort of like, just do whatever you want. And then it, sometimes for some of them, they, they break down and then maybe after that breakdown where it's like, I don't have the rules, they're able to come out the other side of it and be like, okay, wait, without rules, I can... I used to be that way. I used to do really, <laughs> really detailed panel descriptions yeah. to the point of like specifying camera angles and, and body positions because I thought that I needed to give everything right and the more experienced I get the more I've been learning that you just don't really have to do that so now I'll just be like here's literally the bare minimum an artist is going to need in order to get it across get across the goal of the panel Mm -hmm. and even then I'm also really excited about artists who will ignore my paneling and do their own page composition every page I write it's, this is my best attempt to solve this page. Mm-hmm. But now that you know what the content of this page is, how do you think 
we should solve it. And if you have a better way, zero in on emotions mm -hmm. uh, that I wasn't necessarily even like, like in terms of like emotional reactions, the, the visuals of emotions, right? Um, in ways that I wasn't doing it. He's he really next levels me, and that's what I always value is I want an artist who's going to elevate my script mm -hmm. and make it something that the two of us created and not him following my direction. Right, right. Even just taking a look at it, like just in the Ashcan um, edition of it, it's always incredible for me to have the experience of reading a story where the artist is paired appropriately. Because too many times you'll read a story where it's like, this artist is good. Like technically they are good. But it's not the right artist. It's not the right artist. And it seems like you guys have a really good fit. It's just a, the right feel for the story you seem to be telling right now. I, I knew there would be um, when I read uh, the book he did with Timmy Howard, Euthanauts. Okay. Um, so when Lisa suggested Nick, I was like, <laughs> That's, that was like a dream get. Um, we've been talking about a couple of other artists and mm -hmm. they just weren't, I didn't really see where how that was supposed to work. I'm like, yeah, I like the work. I yeah. really like what you're, mm -hmm. you know, I like what you're doing, but it's not this. Yeah, It's exactly. not what this needs to be. Um, yeah, it's not It's not probably necessarily a skill issue or No, it's not like... a skill issue. It's just a what's your, what are your obsessions? Yeah. What are, what's your point of view? Yeah. How are you coming at this? No, absolutely. And I, you know? and I do kind of love the fact that you've, Gone into this realm of like again like this this trust this like you you know this artist can take this vague idea and end up producing something that was almost exactly somehow what you wanted and maybe you didn't even know you wanted yeah, it. Yeah, I mean it could be the best artist in the world. Like if I, we could have had Hergé on this and it wouldn't have been right. Right, exactly. You know, exactly. Jack Kirby isn't the person to draw this book. No, no. <laughs> Mike Diodato isn't the person to draw this book. No. And those are all artists that I have immense admiration oh, for. Oh, absolutely. You know. <clears throat> But you get it's got to be what it's got to be. Yeah, and I got I guess I can't wait to see the colors on it too, because Jordy's making some really bold choices. Okay, and um, I think that's another really good example of the power of giving them the freedom to do their own thing. Mm -hmm. Is Jordy's doing things I wouldn't have even thought to ask for that are brilliant. <laughs> She's doing like weird chunky colors. Okay, like there will be colors like colors splash across the page, gradient shifts. Not gradient shifts, like it, they're hard, they're hard lines, but like it's yeah. uh, it's not a huge dramatic, like color overlay. Right. Um, that doesn't correspond to anything we're physically seeing, so it's almost like the dots in your eyes. Oh, I love that. You know those weird little discolorations mm -hmm. if you look too close at the sun and then look away. Oh yeah, yeah. You I, know, I love that, and like <clears throat> the communication that a good colorist can get across the extra depth because I think a lot of times colorists don't get the do that they should get because it's like you see the art as a whole and you just attribute it to the artist but it's like no a colorist can often make or break an artist honestly so one of my favorite artist colorist collaborations was Cliff Chang with Matt Wilson on Wonder Woman okay <clears throat> yeah there's this one issue in particular where uh, Wonder Woman is fighting like a big like lava monster uh -huh. and as he gets weaker he gets dimmer. Yes, yes. And that wasn't even scripted. That was something that, they that just... Matt contributed mm -hmm. that really just added so much dimension to the scene. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And again, it takes a really skilled colorist to do that because a lot of artists can just mm. put color down and who cares. It takes someone special to be able to communicate extra, um, like I said, like depth or just interpretation to a panel, to a story overall. And, and like, it, for me, like, I, I, again, I can't wait to see it. 
put together fully because I don't know. I think it's I love the black and white. Oh, and it's like, so gorgeous. And like the fact that I love the black, like I love a great inked story. I think they're beautiful, but they're few and far between. And I was like, this is a beautiful book as it is. And I was like, I can't imagine what this is gonna look like. Yeah, it's. it's <laughs> and that's what you get when you're working with two of the brightest lights in, in comics. Is, is the the book is just a visual feast. Yes, no, absolutely. And I know you guys are doing also some variant covers. <clears throat> um, and I know we're gonna, in a little bit, take a look at one of them, which is like, you guys are doing something completely different with a variant cover. Well, it's not me doing any of that. Well, right. <laughs> you, you guys as a whole, the, the ether of the Valiant office is uh, is doing this incredible- I, I see some of these covers when they turn up in previews. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, we did that? <laughs> it's like, oh, that's gorgeous. Right? <laughs> But you guys have a, a, a beautiful art piece of a cover that on top of it being a beautiful art piece is also has a UV black light effect to it, which I was like, what? Well, considering how hallucinogenic the book is, that yes. seems appropriate. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it's like, you guys thought to do that. You guys took the next step and was like, this fits. Because that's the key there. It fits with the book as opposed yeah. to just doing random variants that you see other folks doing where it's just like, here's a random variant. Who cares? Eh, yeah, variant. and the, really all the covers have just been just yeah. stunningly beautiful. No, they really are. They're mm -hmm. eye-catching, and again, like you get that the whole like communicating with color. The the first cover that is sitting right here, the the beautiful blue of Huen with that orange behind her. It's just it's just I love it. I love There's, it. <laughs> my favorite number one cover is the Roberta in Granada, where it's got her sitting in a throne with ghastly hands all looking yes. at her. Yes. And it's all just blue, white, and black. It's just so stunning. You guys, like, the Dr. Mirage, it feels like Valiant seems to uh, treat her the best when it comes to her covers, in my opinion. Uh, to be honest, it's just, it's just a personal opinion. I mean, I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> out of a he, standard, here's a standard interview question we're going to pluck out of the air. What's your favorite part about working on Dr. Mirage? What's my favorite part about working on Dr. Mirage? Yeah. <sighs> Man. Lisa Hawkins, my editor, has mm -hmm. an amazing confidence mm -hmm. in the story that I'm telling. And that means she gave me a, a very free hand mm -hmm. to make this what it needed to be. Um, it's been a very, just very constructive relationship with her in terms of um, she's not really, she's not directing me at all, which is always really nice. I was actually at the San Diego Valiant panel and they were asked, well, what's the best thing about working in the Valiant universe? And I was like, well, it's not editorial driven. It's creator driven. I came to them with a Dr. Mirage idea. Yeah. <clears throat> they didn't come to me saying, well, we have this Dr. Mirage book and it's got to do X, Y, and Z. Right. You know, yeah. uh, it's yeah. like, well, you know, Dr. Mirage has Hulk powers now and so it's got to be a Hulk. <laughs> you know? like, exactly. Something else is happening over here. So, you know. Like, we have to deal with the consequences of something that another writer came up with. Right. Um, there's just less of that because it's just a much more contained universe. That yeah. also means there's a lot more space to create. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> we're doing a lot of that in Dr. Mirage. Mm -hmm. We're building out the architecture of the dead. Mm -hmm. I guess we're, we're gonna be meeting um, some critical figures in what the afterlife is. Okay, okay. You know? <laughs> uh-huh, uh, I'm excited. And, and it's been, <laughs> what's been great is um, I'm really obsessed with like mythology and Lisa has a background in, in Egyptian mythology. Oh my God. So we like, I just kind of threw out there, I'm like, what if we did like something Anubisy at one point? It's not Anubis because that just feels too obvious. Right. But um, she was able to point me in some directions so I could do some like, some, a little bit of guided reading. I love that. To get more ideas for it. And I just, I guess I just like, 
I was, she, put, she pointed me in a direction and said, just take a look at some of this stuff and see what you can internalize. Right. And I think it really made the book richer for it. I love it. I mean, like, it, it just sounds like, a, like an ideal scenario where it's like you have the support of a team behind yeah. you without the, like, you know, hand slapping, you can't do that, you can't touch that kind of vibe. Yeah, I had that, like, I had that a little bit, like, even in Eternity Girl, which, despite it being, like, a completely off-the-wall, left-field mm-hmm. young animal book, Yeah, there were characters I wanted to feature in it, and DC was like, no, you, you, nobody can use those right, right. now for X, Y, Z reasons. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I know that Dr. Barrage is like a mini series, which I, she seems to, the last two books were also like, they're, they're minis, correct? It's a one through five? Yeah. How do you feel? Do you, do you prefer to write something where it's like, I know there's a beginning, middle, and end, or something that's like ongoing? Prefer would imply I'd done the other one. Okay, you know, that's, like that's the, fair. I've only written minis and one-shots. I haven't right. done an ongoing thing. I'm very actually very interested in having time to spend exploring a character in a world, and I haven't really had that yet. Okay. So I'm hoping that if this does well enough, we can get a six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Hey, that would be and keep yeah. going because uh, I have more that I want to do with this. I think we, um, I think we are setting up some interesting dominoes that I want to mm-hmm. be the one who decides where they fall. Okay, that's great. <clears throat> I don't want to leave that to someone else. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, I think Dr. I made up Grace. <laughs> Yes. No, it's true. It's true. And I, I have I, plans for her. <laughs> I'm, I'm, and I'm excited to see where, honestly, it goes. I love Dr. Mirage and the scope of the Valiant Universe. Um, I, I love that, it. like, it, it's it's so funny because it's, like, almost a quieter section of the Valiant Universe, but at the same time has such a big impact on every day. Well, this isn't a quiet book. Okay. You know, like, like I said, I knew that this needed to be something different. Yes. Because right off the bat, without when, this is going to be a fundamentally different kind of experience. Mm -hmm. And Jen's books were very quiet and they were, the the colors were very subdued. There were Mm -hmm. lots of like uh, pages that were dominated by a a single color where everything was just shades of blue. Yes. um, Which was gorgeous. It was just an absolutely stunning book. Mm -hmm. But I was like, this can't be that. I want this to to really be a new beginning. Mm -hmm. And I made a point during the script of mentioning that they, that things would be like bright colors, they'd be like rainbow colors, and there'd be neon colors, right. and I wanted it to just all be very brash yes. and loud and aggressive and something that you sort of had to like deal with being hit with that all at once. Right, right. Like a very different <clears throat> um, look at the afterlife, I'll put in quotes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, just, you know, because again, like you said in the previous ones, it, it was dominated a lot by a single color, whether it be a warmer color when they were, you know, in the dead side or depending on what era they were in there. Which but was I, really effective for what it, it was. was. Exactly. But that was, again, an example of right artist, right colorist, yep. right story. Totally different story adding in the psychedelic like elements to it. And again, like, I'm, I, I'm so glad you mentioned Ditko because I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind that that was an inspiration um, for the art that you're going for. And it, yeah, that, that, that's incredible. That's incredible because Ditko is a good, good, good pull. No, I mean, like, <laughs> One of the things that like I figured out really quickly when I was you know figuring out that it, what the story was going to be was well without when she doesn't have any magic because that was Hwen's thing. Yes. So she needs to be in a process of like learning how to defend herself, mm-hmm. <clears throat> learning how to to take care of herself, mm-hmm. right? And so I was just thinking, well, what are the what are the magical characters that that I love? What are the magical stories that I really love? And I'm just so into Silver Age aesthetics lately. Right. Um, it's just so bright 
and adventurous and everyone's shouting. Yes. Every sentence ends in an exclamation mark. There's so much energy, enthusiasm, and color. And it's not all just like grim and like moral quandaries and, and anti-heroes. It yeah. was just, it was over-the-top adventure. Yeah. And uh, that's an area that I'm really, really interested in exploring. So the, the I immediately kind of went to Doctor Strange and thought, well, what if this is the first the first part of a story that ends with her as the Sorcerer Supreme of Valiant. And I don't know if that's where it's going to end up, but that was my jumping yes. off point and how I landed on this kind of general idea for for the visuals. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Honestly, if that had been your, like, your elevator pitch and I was in any way in charge of anything here, I would have been like, yeah, go, green-lighted, go. Take, take all the money. I don't care. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like a Doctor Strange book, but we're definitely pulling a little bit yes. from that kind of thing. Um, there's a couple of instances where she uses Doctor Strange kind of alliterative spells, like by the sigils of Sumanis, yep. that kind of thing. Yep, uh, because it's just because it's fun. It is fun. It, it doesn't have to be deep. It yep. doesn't have to be complicated or philosophical. It can just be fun. Yep. There's enough other heavy shit going on exactly. in this book that uh, I wanted the comic book action to be comic book action. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, it seems like it's going to strike a really good balance, um, which is... I'm. I'm again. I was already in. Reading the book, seeing that ending, was way more in. After having this conversation, I'm so sold. Like I'm so above and beyond sold. You just you're speaking my language right It'd be now. Be really upsetting if you were like, you know, I was really into it, but you know, after all that, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Now we'll see. No, I am. I am so on board for for Doctor Mirage for the story you're going to be taking us on this journey that we'll be going on together. Right, everybody, go go get it, go do it. No, seriously though, um, Max, thank you so much. For thank you so much here and chatting with us. Doctor Mirage is going to be out on August 28th. So you can go grab the first uh, issue that comes out. I've already read it and I highly recommend it. So I'd say go grab it, especially after hearing all of this, the plans they have for it, the love that is going into Doctor Mirage. You can feel it in the book. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> you can. I mean, seriously, it's very, it's very there. The love of the character is there. Yeah, but really, just put her through hell quite That's okay. literally. So, sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you hurt the ones you love the most. Is what I'm saying. You know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out if that's true or not. But again, thank you so much for talking with us. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, that's it, guys. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs>